Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's an external ecosystem. There's this agile at scale approach where we take agile practices and put it into innovation. And then there's agile mindsets, behaviors, values. I think a lot of people talk about failing fast. You hear that all the time. But in a lot of cases, it's as long as someone else is doing the failing. But it's using that in an everyday way so that you are actually recognizing and celebrating the learning. I don't see it as celebrating the failing, celebrating the learning so you don't do it again. Putting that and instilling that in a process is incredibly important. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast with you is when we get to bring shared customers onto the show. One of the things that's good about that is that each of us have different perspectives on the companies that those customers represent. And so we're able together to weave unique narratives and bring out the best, I hope, in our guests. Absolutely. We can really zone in on our picks of who we believe are the greatest leaders that currently exist within the ecosystem. We're all in for a real treat. It felt like a TED Talk as we were doing this episode because the insights that Diana Frost brings to the table around how to be a leader in 2023 and still be able to be a parent to growing children across borders is pretty remarkable. I think you talked about how we select the kinds of people that we want to bring on to our podcast, the combination, obviously, of bravery and commerce, but unique stories. And Diana, due to the choices that she makes and the moments that matter to her, is very selective about when and where she speaks publicly. And I think we are in for such an incredible treat because she's agreed to be on. She is the real deal. But as Rachel, you said, she could be giving TED Talks all day long, but she's focused on the health of the business. And now you guys get to take a nice peek into absolute greatness. Well, on that note, we don't want to spoil this episode, but there's a hat trick. So listen for it throughout the show. I love the Canadian reference. So let's bring Kraft Heinz, Chief Growth Officer of North America, onto the show, Diana Frost. Fancy title, fancy lady. You don't even scratch the service. You just kind of poke the service. And you're like, oh my gosh, what a layered and complex and fascinating human being you are, Diana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys, so much. Absolutely honored to be here. 
for the folks at Profitero that are listening, this will be your second time hearing from Diana. The first time we had invited her to join us on International Women's Day to talk about just different experiences. But for everybody else here, one of the things that we had learned about Diana was that when Kraft Heinz first approached you to work for them, you had boundaries that you stated as your key requirements. And one of those was staying in Toronto and Kraft Heinz North America, typically in the Chicago area. Many companies are dealing with this remote hybrid work environment. How have you thought about that both for yourself as a leader, as well as the folks on your team to ensure connectivity and collaboration and keeping morale high? And this is just something that keeps coming up as an issue. And I think you have a a unique perspective on this one. Great question, Sarah. And I think it's one that's ever evolving that we're all learning coming back from COVID. I think one of the biggest things when I was first approached by Kraft Heinz, and it was for a Canadian role in the beginning, was what can work for the business and what can work for my life. And it has to work for both. So it's not at all costs, these are my boundaries. It has to work for both. And there's got to be a firm belief that it can work for both. And so as I think about it, connectivity and personal relationships are everything for me. I believe that's how businesses are built. I believe that's how you drive transformation. And as you know, we're on quite a journey of transformation at Kraft Heinz and at an inflection point on this kind of path to greatness that we talk about. And so the first and foremost thing is my village is in Canada and my kids, their grandparents, everyone is in Canada. But that doesn't preclude the fact that I need to be in Chicago to build the relationships with my team, to build that camaraderie, to build that connection, because that's going to be the thing that accelerates it. So yes, were there boundaries set for sure, but do I believe that multiple touch points over the course of a month and being there live, right now I'm actually there live two out of four weeks of the month, but I only go in small snippets, so it works for my kids. But I do believe in this hybrid work environment, and I love the flexibility it can bring, but nothing ever beats that connectivity and that relationship building life. So it's a balance. And as you deepen those relationships, you may have less in person. But again, it always starts with relationships. It starts with trust, and it starts with looking people in the eye beyond a screen. I live in New York, and our U.S. headquarters are in Boston. And when I joined the company, I also had the village situation going on here. My, all of my siblings, my grandparents at the time, unfortunately, they've since passed. Everybody lived within a mile of me. And the thought of New York was just crazy, but it was January of 2020. And so I'm like, oh, I'll go a couple days a week. I'll come back, whatever. And then I had to build relationships with everybody because of COVID on the screen. I'm actually recording this podcast from our Chicago office. So the importance of finding the right times to interact in person so that you're going beyond the screen, but also trying to figure out how that ties to your values. Now, your values could really kind of go all over the place. Your values could be, I need to go to my kickball league at one o'clock in the afternoon. How do you deal with that kind of stuff when you're like, okay, that's a value, but you still have a job to do. And I think you're bringing up the perfect point, which is it's the moments that matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Define the moments that matter in both your personal life and your professional life. And then you build your boundaries around those. So whether it's a graduation or whether it's a key in my case, this is very Canadian, a hockey game with one of my kids. The moments that matter go around those. There's always going to be another meeting that you can be in person. There are only so many milestones in your child's life that you can't miss or compromise. 
So figure out those moments that matter and use that as the way to guide you of when you're in person and when you're not. There's also the moments that matter with your employees, moments that matter for the business, the moments that matter for your employees in terms of what's going on in their lives. But you're only going to know those moments that matter if you get to know them beyond the screen, if you get to know them in terms of what are the moments that matter in their lives. Because I'm a big believer that it's not a cookie cutter approach for everything. And so that's how I define it. So, so far, we're only a few minutes into the show. We have Village, which, you know, I've also heard other people describe it as personal board of directors. Moments, and there's moments that matter in your personal life and your work life or your employees. Something tells me we're going to hit a hat trick and get to number three in, in a few. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In terms of values, Moving more over to the business side, zoning in on craft, you know, craft has had a spirit of innovation. I remember the other year, you guys formed a strategic partnership with Microsoft to transform supply chain. And you've been doing a lot of things on the R&D side in terms of product development that were slightly unbeknownst to the customer, such as removing artificial ingredients from craft macaroni and cheese without telling them and then using that in a marketing campaign to really surprise and delight and, and win over the hearts and minds of consumers. How do you enable your teams to capture this entrepreneurial spirit you know, in their everyday work? I think that's one of the funnest parts of my job. As we've set out to lead the future of food, and that's what we talk about, and innovation being the number one pillar of that. We've stated $2 billion in innovation from now until 2027. And that requires an entrepreneurial spirit across, to your point, across the entire organization. But the way I see it, again, it's not cookie cutter. It's a freedom within a framework. How you actually use external suppliers and an external ecosystem. We're using one right now, and we've got a really cool launch coming on Monday that'll surprise and delight everyone. But it all came from a problem we had on a page or consumer opportunity and insight we saw for years, but tried to solve it internally. Now we're bringing in and opening it up to a full partnership ecosystem because probably someone somewhere in some other industry has solved problems that we're looking to solve internally. So that's number one. So the spirit of creativity that can come from the outside in. That's one piece. I think the second piece is we talk about agile at scale. And agile at scale can sound like buzzword bingo, but if you think about agility, you look at entrepreneurs and they're like, they can be fast, they can be scrappy. And then you think about what those entrepreneurs want is our scale. If you can combine the two, that becomes a massive superpower. So the way that we're doing it started slow. It's in these pilots and in these pods of seeding things with consumers. And what we keep saying is from idea to minimum viable product in the world, if we can continue to shorten that time. So there's an external ecosystem. There's this agile at scale approach where we take agile practices and put it into innovation. And then there's agile mindsets, behaviors, values. 
So I think a lot of people talk about failing fast. You hear that all the time. But in a lot of cases, it's as long as someone else is doing the failing. I will celebrate that as long as that's you and someone else over there. I'm good. I'll applaud you from the corner for the risk. But it's using that in an everyday way so that you're actually recognizing and celebrating the learning. I don't see it as celebrating the failing, celebrating the learning so you don't do it again. Putting that and instilling that in a process is incredibly important. And then there's just a change in governance and capabilities to eliminate more bureaucracy. Bureaucracy kills creativity. And if you have so many checkpoints and you have to fit, you can do innovation as long as it fits in every single one of these boxes and it becomes a checkbox exercise that kills both innovation and creativity. So there are a number of things that we're putting in place across capabilities, across operational models, across skills and competencies, but also mindsets and behaviors to enable the team to flourish and drive creativity and the fact that innovation doesn't just have to come from our innovation team and you don't always have to solve it yourself. It comes back to the village mindset. It takes a village and someone somewhere has solved a problem that you're looking to solve. I'm listening to you. And when I'm listening, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to Indra And then I know Pepsi is in your background. So I like can see sort of the Pepsi sort of pedigree and model of thinking there. It's amazing. You talked about failure. You're an operator. When you're building your strategic operating plan, what's the margin of error you're building in to ensure that, hey, the team can fail, but we can still hit business goals? Like, how do you balance those two? I think it all depends on what you're going after. So if I think about innovation, when you're looking at something that's a renovation, you probabilize that to a certain degree. If you're looking at extension or expansion, based on historicals and based on what's in the market, you have a pretty good margin of error in understanding what the incrementality will be. Now, when you're looking at disruption, something new to world that will deliver a sustainable advantage over time, you probabilize that down significantly because you should have a higher likelihood of failure. You need to put more seeds out into the market because you are guaranteed to fail. Because if you don't, then it's actually not true disruption. So it depends on what you're putting into market and the level of probabilization and what that mix should be for your business to enable the to achieve the goals. What does the role of data play into all of this, both from a, I mean, from a measurement perspective, that's almost like a layup question. (laughs) But as you think through, even your idea of taking from idea to MVP and shortening that timeframe, what role does data play in validating an idea or germinating an idea? I think it plays a significant role. I mean, everything starts with the consumer and There's the humanity part of the consumer, and there's also the data that comes from the consumer. So I think for me, the data and insight is at the center, and nothing should start without that. So I just think the biggest thing right now, especially across CPG, we're data rich and insight poor. To be able to connect the pipes across the entire connected ecosystem of the consumer and the virtuous cycle of the consumer is one of the hardest things you have to do, especially in companies that are at the scale that we are. But that's where the magic comes, the combination of humanity. I talk a lot about with my team, human intuition. Now, you can't have human intuition without deep insight, and you can't have deep insight without the right data to back it up. But it's a combination of those things and actually starting and ending with that that becomes the beginning of the cycle that I talked about. You sound like such an entrepreneur. By the way, Rachel and I are both entrepreneurs and we're excited by this, but 
one of the nice things about speaking with you and, and frankly partnering with you is the entrepreneurial mindset. But you mentioned something about cutting through so much of the bureaucracy and the BS that kind of happens. Rachel mentioned something you know about about you coming from PepsiCo, Mars Wrigley, Mars Pet. But one of the things that both you as well as your leadership in Miguel or Carlos or or the rest of the crew there is this intense entrepreneurial spirit and refusal to stand for the status quo. The JV between Kraft Heinz and Notco is definitely a bet that was placed in order to get there. AI being used to come up with new product ideas and new things like how do you see the role of AI evolving over time? And how does that affect either ways of working, product innovation, growth? Yeah, I think it's such a big question and a question of the day. I think it's a wonderful question. And I think, quite frankly, every day it's evolving. But I think the piece for me on AI, number one, you can never replace the aspect of humanity, especially as you think about growth and creativity and marketing and all of those things. Can AI absolutely help in day-to-day efficiency? Absolutely. There are things we do today that I am so excited for AI to replace because it'll drive efficiency and effectiveness in my day and productivity. I think, though, as we think about the role of AI and what it can do for content versioning, for so many different things within the growth space, you also have to once again bring it back to, am I still putting insight and the human at the center. Will it be able to enable that? Sure. Will it replace it? Absolutely not. Marketing as a function, by virtue of the function, it's art and science. And so I think, can it enable? Can it help with some efficiency and effectiveness? And will it be a part of our lives? Absolutely. Think about what AI can do in terms of recipe building and all of those things that live in the world of food. So many things can be enabled by it. But when I think about creativity and innovation, that is a space that in my belief right now could change. You can never lose the combination of the art and the science. So can it be a partner? Yes. Will it replace? No. You're talking so much about putting human at the center and values. When it comes to AI, we're starting to see a lot of discussion with brands around ethics. What are the brand ethics when it comes to approaching AI? Is that a conversation that you guys are having internally? 100%. 100%. I mean, we are a house of brands. Mm-hmm. We are looking at ourselves that we think about this path is a brand powerhouse. And so 100% it's part of many discussions we're having on a day-to-day basis. It's clearly going to be a growing area of legal practice. Big time. You know, in terms of driving business results, we as consumers obviously understand our relationship with Kraft Heinz. But the business goes well beyond B2C. You, you have an entire B2B business focused on restaurants, schools, businesses. You know, COVID's impacted the food service industry. So how do you see that evolving for Kraft Heinz over the next few years? Our away from home business is absolutely critical to our success. You guys might have heard actually a Cagney that we have declared. So a third of our growth is going to come from away from home. A third of our growth is going to come from U.S. retail. And a third of our growth is going to come from international zone. So it is a significant part of how we see the future of food and the future of Kraft Heinz. For us, away from home is the tip of the spear. 
It's where you get the first insights, talking about leading indicators of success. What happens in restaurants are the trends that are going to end up in retail. So we see away from home as a key innovation engine for us in how we are going to deliver the future growth of the business. And it has to be connected to everything. So what I would say is post-COVID, away from home and food service has come back with a vengeance. I'm so proud of the results that our food service team has delivered and our away from home team has delivered. And it's a key pillar of growth for us moving forward. Awesome. Well, I have no idea how you're going to answer this question, but Diana, what's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Wow. That is a really, really hard one. I'll give you a couple of different answers, actually. I think one of them we actually talked about at the beginning was having enough confidence as a female leader to put the boundaries that I needed to raise my village and still pursue my dreams and ambitions as an executive in the business. I'm really proud that was done. I'm also really proud of the values of the organization I'm with to be able to respect those boundaries and consistently showing up on that over and over again. So that's one thing I would share is one of the best teachings I've ever gotten from someone. She was the first chairwoman of a bank in Canada. And she said, you can't have it all in the traditional sense, but you can have your all. And only you can define what that is. And you can't measure it based on how someone else defines their all. So for me, I think the brave piece of that comes from how I defined my values and how I lined up with a company that embraced those. But declaring it first, knowing that that could change the trajectory of my career. I think that's one piece. I think the other piece was jumping into this job. I was 13 years at Mars. Incredibly happy, wonderful organization. Nothing but wonderful things to say about the principles of that business. But jumping into Kraft Heinz when I did in 2020, when we were at a very different place and really saying, you know what? I love the intentionality here. While the results aren't there yet, I'm going to jump in with both feet on a transformation where many in the business would be like, why would you go there? And I'm so incredibly happy that I did. It's changed me as a person. It's changed my life professionally. But to be able to go all in on something based on an intention versus proven results at the time, I would say it was pretty brave. Well, clearly your intuition is leading you to the right places. I do think that we figured out what the third was. So village, moments that matter, and what is your all, I think is an incredible framework on how to design your career. Thank you, Diana. It was so, so insightful to hear your story. Thank you guys so much for having me. Happy to come back anytime. And just thanks so much for your partnership too with Craft Times. What a powerful episode. She is just so strong and I could just talk to her all day long. If you like this episode, here are a few more that we think you're going to enjoy. First, Tony Navin from Kraft Heinz International on brand and retailer interrelationships and data-informed decisions. That was from Q4 of last year. And just a few weeks ago, we had the CEO of Kodiak Cakes, Val Oswald, Dr. Val Oswald, talking about a lot of different approaches to bring entrepreneurship to life, having worked at big and small companies. If you're a fan of Brave Commerce or you just left a couple of episodes, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And please, sharing is caring. So send it along to a friend and share with everyone you know. Thanks so much and see you next week.
Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming centre stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.